Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and on my podcast, we talk to the authors about themselves, we talk about their work, and we talk about their ideas. Every book has two stories, and you, dear listener, will find out both stories behind the books. I can't wait to introduce you to the gentleman who's joining me today. His name is Steve Wachtel, and he's both a children's book author and a poet. Today, he has on his poet hat. He's here to talk about his volume of poetry titled Sand Lot Poet. Steve, I can't wait to talk to you. Welcome to Books on Air. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Now, I really want to talk about both things, but we're here to focus on poetry, and so I'm going to make myself focus, which is not easy for me. I'm always curious about how poets develop. What first drew you to poetry, and how old were you? I was very young when I first was drawn to poetry. Uh, I enjoyed reading it, trying to understand it. I had some very good teachers in in grade school and high school. Uh, My problem was I couldn't write it. Uh, I tried to write it, and it was really terrible. Children would even laugh at me, and rightfully so. So basically I felt that I'd be sort of happy to read but never be able to write it. What changed and when? Uh, 1976, I had just uh, accepted a, to become a big brother for one of the children in my community. And I took him to a park, and it was getting late because I came at the work. It was sort of dusk, and suddenly some words came to me watching what was going on in the sky. And I said, wow, it sounds almost decent. And I went home afterwards and wrote it down. And it looked pretty good. And a couple of days later, I was walking to go to work, and boom, something else jumped into my head. And I wrote that down. And developed from there. It, it's, I found it fairly easy to write, and uh, the ideas were coming. And uh, people were reading it, and some of them liked it. Some didn't like it, which is okay, too. And uh, I started to develop as a poet. Now, how many volumes of poetry have you written? Uh, I have right now eight volumes of poetry published. The ideas just keep coming now, don't they? Sometimes it, it's very strange. You, you can see something that you've seen a hundred times and didn't register at all, and suddenly one day it registers and it comes together. And, wow, that's that. I got write about that. And I think that's that's why your brain brains that develops it, I guess. You know. I always think the creative brain is very, very interesting. I've written fiction, and fiction is much like poetry, I think, in that the same kind of thing happens in your head. You, I see pictures. Um, Whenever I'm thinking about something or I come up with an idea or whatever, I'll begin to see pictures in my head that, that... put together whatever the story is, and the story just starts to flow, and it's not anything that I feel like I'm doing. It just seems almost to come from somewhere else. Is that how the, the inspiration seems to feel for you? It's exactly how, because basically I've started poems and children's books thinking of going one direction, and it goes in a totally different direction once, you, once you're writing it. 
it's almost like it's just it's somewhere else and it came to you suddenly and and, and, and develops within you. Uh, so the best planning and sometimes is not going to make the best poem or, or, or book because things change as I just begin to write. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think it's so interesting. I wonder, I guess I've never really talked to anyone who was not a person who didn't have that creative gene, I guess, or or whatever it is that works in the brain like that. And I've never said to them, do, do you think we're crazy when we talk about seeing pictures in our head? And, and I mean, you almost hear voices, and, and it's just the strangest experience to talk about. And I often wonder how people who do not see those things feel about us talking about that creative process. I know I've spoken to people who were not into poetry, for example, uh, and for them, it was it was strange. It was like for me, for example, I had a, a coworker who was a, an artist, and she would go up to a board and just boom, 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 and, and do it. I can't do that. To me, it was magic. So if these people also, it was a bit of either magic or indifference, uh, I think. And uh, to understand what what a, what a writer goes through, I think you really almost have to be uh, done some of it, because otherwise, it, it comes it's foreign. It's foreign to them. I love what you just said about art. I don't have any, I, you know, I draw stick figures. I can't, I don't have any talent there at all. My talent is really um, writing and I'm, I'm a dancer. And oh. I have always, for my entire life, this is what sounds crazy, for my entire life, I have seen choreography and dancers in my head. It never stops. I mean, classical music will come on and there they are. They're dancing, or jazz will come on, and there they are, and they're dancing. And yet, I can't draw anything. So to me, that's exactly the same thing. I love it that you use the word magic, because when I watch an artist, that's exactly the way I feel, that it's magic coming out of their fingers. I just don't get it either. No, I, I've never been able to draw and anything like that, but I, think I can appreciate it, of course. But to watch someone do that is... They said magic. Now, to me, I guess to others, they see what I when I write sometimes that they are amazed I can write what I write. And uh, you know, when you when you're doing it, it you're doing it. So it, it's not foreign to you, but to them, it's 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 something magical or foreign. Well, let's talk about the Sandlot poet. It's not the. It's just Sandlot poet. Tell me about the themes that run through the book. Uh, I think. One of the first poems, certainly, that the, the title comes from, uh, is someone who basically is not going to be, uh, you know, an all-star, so to speak, in, like in sports, but someone who can who can go out into and play a local game, or someone who can do something something uh, seemingly minor to to them, but maybe it's major to somebody else. But it's it's the ability to do to do something that that has some impact somewhere. I like that. And you also, I, I just really jumped on these two because of, I guess, the time of year. You had spring aspiring and spring is coming. You guys have had a pretty rough winter in the Northeast this winter. And so I guess those two poems sort of feel special right now. Is that right? Yes, especially now that the spring is not my favorite season. It's one of one of the seasons I enjoy, but it's not my favorite season. But to see life come out in the trees and and and, mm-hmm. and even the animals acting differently, birds acting differently, it's it's it, it, it 
raises something in you, and, and I think it contributes to the Buddhist right, certainly, for a writer. I agree. I think nature uh, can contribute strongly to some poets. But, you know, from as I was reading through the titles of the poems, your poems are all about all kinds of things. Does inspiration just, I think you really said it, it just sort of hits you, and the poem begins to write itself. This is true. I, I've found myself sometimes walking along and something goes into my head and I'm writing it in my head. And when I get home, of course, I have to write it down. But, but basically, that's what happens. You know, it's something, something triggers it. Something triggers it in you. And, uh, and it comes. Are there some of the poems that you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, I would, if it's okay, I'd like to share uh, two in particular. Uh, they're both short poems. Uh, the first one is titled uh, A Different Glory. And it has to do to some degree with what I was growing up and what I am now. And uh, let me read it. Uh, I was a terrible little leaguer, one hit in three years. But I stayed eager to try and stay with my peers, some of whom went on to Sandlot glory days and were looked upon as gods to be praised for their ability to strike a round ball with a round bat. Truly a feat denied those like me, a non-athlete all-star, in fact. But today, I've made some hits to cheers, at least in my mind, in a different sport that fits me better, where I am inclined to weave words in my peculiar way into rhymes and schemes that together have their say, pleasing myself and others, it seems. So I'll never be in the Hall of Fame and no frosty and all-star, I know it. At least now I'm in the game, truly and finally a Sandlot poet. I love it. If I, I... <laughs> thank you, I love it. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. <laughs> That's encouraging. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. And I identify with that. I am not an athlete either. And so, as you're reading, I'm thinking, wow. He's got his finger right on the pulse of who I am because, no, I never was any good at sports at all, and I never could understand how I couldn't transfer the coordination and the speed and all of the, you know, the eye-hand coordination stuff from dance to sports. For me, it never worked, and I remember... Oh, I guess it was Lynn Swan that I first heard this from. He was a, a wide receiver. Um, Pittsburgh. Yeah, for the, for the Steelers. And I remember Lynn Swan started talking about taking ballet. And when I was teaching, I started teaching ballet when I was 15. And wow. Yeah, I wound, up, I wound up teaching a group of football players. Their coach, I mean, yeah, this is longer ago than I like to admit, but their coach was, these were defensive guys, and so you can imagine, they were big, and they were somewhat clumsy, and they came in, and I was probably, I don't know, I guess I was in my 20s, I was probably no no more than three or four years older than they were, and I thought it was going to be really difficult. They were very cooperative, and they were very good, and they started out looking like elephants, I mean, I would have them doing things, and, oh, it was just clump, 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 clump. And then by the end of the time that we spent together, you could see the difference in their movement and in the way they moved. And I thought, huh, 
this is really making a difference. So this is dance truly translating into sport. Why can't I do that? And so when you started reading your poem, those guys came right back into my head. So thank you for that. That's wonderful. That's one of the things I think poets try to do. Am I right? Oh, very, very definitely. You're painting a picture with words, which you're doing, and I hope that people will actually see it. Yes, and they will see themselves in the role that you put into the poem. Yes, yes, that's, a, that's the connection. Mm-hmm. Okay, share another one with us, please. Okay, uh, this one's called Morning Becomes Electric. I wake each early morning to the song of a cardinal song of a blue jay, the twittering of their performing, giving sweetness to the start of all my many hopes for the day. The rising sun pauses too to listen. All is harmony for that short space, and I stretch, feeling old bones become new again, gray hairs glisten, and all things stolen by time, I bemoaned, briefly return, and my life is graced. Steve, have you been reading my mind? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I call them opera birds. I'm lucky enough to live in a neighborhood where we have uh, uh, the remains of a a forest. And we have the cardinals are my favorite birds. And we have cardinals, we Ah. have blue jays. um, And in in the morning, right before the sun comes up, they start to serenade. And it's it's magical and i will walk outside and i don't know what kind of bird this is but he's the he's the lead tenor you know he's just leading the opera <laughs> and you start to hear the other birds chime in and it it just always sounds to me like the opera that's greeting the dawn and when you started to read your poem that that moment when it's still dark and you can still see the sun barely peeking over the horizon came into my mind. See, you are very good, Steve. Thank you very much. for The poetry is fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Who do you think is your audience for your poetry? Do you have an audience in mind when you write? Uh, you know, I, I share some of my poems on Facebook, and I get responses... From, from some people. So it's basically, I think, it, it's eclectic in that sense because you don't really know who's going to appreciate your poetry. Sometimes it's someone that you might think, oh, they're not going to like it, and they do like it. Someone else you think, gee, that's going to be for them. It's not for them. So it's basically catch as catch can, I think, and, and, and you have to be open to hope that everybody gets something out of your poetry, even if it's not thing that you initially meant for them to get. Whatever they can get from it, it's a theirs then. I like that. And, I, you know, when I was teaching school, I, I also was an English teacher. And when I was teaching school, I tried not to ever say to the kids, this is what you have to get from a poem. Because poetry means different things to different people because we're all different. We all have different perspectives and we all have different life experiences. And that's what we bring to the poem as we listen to it. And so because we're all different, how could we possibly all get exactly the same thing out of it? There may be a theme that runs through the poem, but everybody sees something different in the poem. Do you agree? I definitely agree. And also, it, it's, it teaches you something because when they come out with something different than you were thinking, you realize, wow, maybe that was in there and I didn't even realize that I put that in there. Where, where did that come from? 
And that's part of the process, I think, of, of writing other poems and appreciating poems in general. Can you hear me shaking my head? I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm shaking my head, yes, in agreement with what you're saying. I'm sure that yeah, our... That- Go ahead. I will, that's uh, encouraging, as I said. I was talking to you, <laughs> good. I will encourage you because you're very good. I really like your poetry. I really like what you do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank let's, you. Thank you. Let's let our listeners know where they can find the book. Now, the title of the book is exactly, as I said and Steve's poem said, it's Sandlot Poet, S-A-N-D-L-O-T, all one word, not two. There's no the in front of it. It's just Sandlot Poet by Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Wachtel, W-A-C-H-T-E-L. Now, go to go to Amazon, and the search feature, just put in, bring down books on that little menu that's on the left-hand side, just be to the left of the search, search feature that's the long, sort of light gray box. Put in the words Sandlot Poet by Steve Wachtel, Click on it, and the book will come right up. Now, in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the words, Look Here. Put your cursor on that, click it, and the book will electronically open. You'll be able to see the table of contents. How many poems are in the book? I didn't count them, Steve. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I counted them either. Uh, <laughs> oh <I think> it's, <laughs> I think it's about uh, 40 I think it's forty poems, I believe. Yeah, I think it's it's there's a nice it's a nice volume. Look down the you'll be able to look down that table of contents and see the the names of the poems, and you can buy it right there on that page because it's Amazon and it's it's available in Kindle and it's available in paperback and is it hardback as well? Yes, I thought so. Now, Steve. Amazon is always an easy place to buy books, and most people, or many people, choose that as their place to get their books. But I know that in our in our listeners' audience that there will be folks who don't want to buy from the largest bookseller in the world. They'd like to give somebody else the business. Where else would they be able to find copies of your work? Uh, they could always go to Ex Libris, which published the, the book. Uh, obviously, another large thing is Barnes & Noble, but it's also as large as Amazon almost, I guess. I think so, too. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, uh, I don't have any other suggestions, really, at, at the moment. I, I know that uh, most people that, that bought the book either bought it from Amazon or they bought it from Ex Libris. I know that a lot of people will say that they will Google the author's name and that when they put the name in, that there will be sources that come up from doing the Google. I mean, of course, Google knows everything, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, now, so, so, I've, so I found out. Yeah. yeah, it really does. It's really funny. Uh, now, you don't have a current website. Tell me what's happening with that. That's uh, in the construction right now, and uh, I'm hoping that it will eventually exist more than just the construction. But we're trying to get it together right now. And you would probably announce that your website was ready on your Facebook page, right? Yes, I certainly would do that. So let's That's tell them great. how to find you on Facebook. Okay, uh, they can go to Facebook and put in my name, and it will, what will come up will be my, my, my page on Facebook. And on that page, they'll, they'll also they'll find some of the poems I've written in the past, by the way. They'll, they'll be on there also. 
and uh, they, they can put anything they want uh, as a comment or, or as, as a suggestion there. Now, I have to ask you about the children's books. That is another place in my heart that I have a special, uh, a special feeling for. Children's books, I think, are some of the hardest books to write because not only do you have to come up with an idea, but you have to come up with an idea and a way to present the idea so that you will pull children in. You also really have to work on how do you illustrate the book. How did you get involved in writing children's books? I have been a volunteer with uh, first grade children, teaching them how to read uh, for many years now. And some of the things that they said to me, some of the things they were interested in resonated. And I was able to eventually put something together. Uh, the first book I wrote, uh, the children's book I wrote, uh, Boy Who Lost His Smile, came some degree from some of the children, some of the children who were going through rough experiences and they were sad a good part of the time. And that triggered something off that I was able to write that. And then the second book I wrote, basically what happened, I was with one of the children and they made a project with different planets and things like that. And he mentioned to me, oh, look, there's no moon for the earth. And what triggered my mind was somebody stole the moon. <laughs> So that's my title of my next book, and it came from there. So that, that's some of what happens. But working with the children gives me a lot of ideas and, and things they say sometimes, and the way they look at things, and it's helpful to, to, to put something together in a book. I was going to say that different perspective, and their their perspective is so fresh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I they, think they're that, very open. They're very open. Yes. Kids are very open. It's really interesting to work with kids. I agree with you. And I would see yeah. that it sounds like that would be a big source of inspiration. It has been. It's, it's a constant source of inspiration because meeting different children with different ideas, different backgrounds, and, and that really triggers up things in your, in your own mind. Well, I had to ask about the children's books. A, I was just really curious. And B, I've talked about you being a children's book author, and I just think... I just think it's special, and I think poets are special. And I just, this is so much fun for me to talk to you and to hear what you think and to hear how you say it and to hear your poetry, that it's so beautiful and just triggered so much emotion and so many thoughts in me. When our listeners become readers and they pick up a copy of Sandlot Poet, and they sit down with it. Now, book of poetry is not something that you read like a romance novel. You don't sit down and just read it cover to cover and, and put, it, put it away and go on. A book of poetry is something that you sit down and you concentrate on and you read. And you may read two or three poems. You may read only one. But you think and you go away and you think about it. And then you come back to the poetry and you read more. The The person who's reading will be in and out and in and out of the book, but they will come eventually to the last page and they will read the poetry on that last page and then they'll either electronically or physically close the back cover. When they do that, Steve, what do you want them to take away from Sandlot Poet? What do you want them, the reader to take away from the poetry? Uh, first of all, I want them to say, I want more from this guy. I want us to read more from him. Uh, also, I think that when they read through the poems, they're going to have some experience in their own lives that will resonate with that. 
And I would like them to, to feel that because of my experience, my expression of this, that it helped them to come to grips with something or, or to remind you that it was special for them. Well, Steve, you are so talented. It has just been my absolute pleasure and delight and honor to talk with you today. Thank you so much for being my guest on Books on Air. Thank you for having me, and it was, it was a joy to talk to you. Now remember, you can find Sandlot Poet by Steve Wachtel on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and the Ex Libris website. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I so hope you'll join me for my next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.